Good morning again. I remembered I was preaching, so that was good. So uh, it's good to have Jason and Chelsea helping us on music today. So. Praise band always does a great job. So uh, let me ask you a question. What is driving you today? What passion do you have in your heart that keeps you motivated, that gets you up in the morning and makes you think today is a day worth living? In 1938, Jim Irwin, a young boy, was at home and had a full moon that night. He was looking out at the stars and, and just staring at the moon. And his mom and dad were busy in the house and forgot that it was way past Jim's bedtime. If you have children, you notice that when it comes to bedtime, they kind of get really quiet, thinking that you won't notice. But the, her, his mom came into his room and said, Jim, you're supposed to be in bed. And he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm staring at this moon. And he said, turned around and said, Mom, one day... I'm going to go there. 1951, Jim Irwin entered the, the Air Force Academy and in 1957 earned his master's. He was in the Air Force. Shortly after, he was in a motorcycle wreck and broke almost every bone in his body and took a two-year process to heal. But he did. He was, in, he was a pilot in the Air Force and he was training another young pilot. And as he was training this other young pilot, uh, he made a, a mistake. This young pilot did and the airplane crashed. Jim broke his, his arm, almost lost his leg and suffered from amnesia. Again, another grueling time of, of trying to recover from from his uh, dehabilitating injuries. Only to find out that in 1971, Jim became the 12th man to step foot on the moon. When asked in his book why, what kept him going through all these arduous times and these difficult times in his life, he said it was my dream of reaching the moon that inspired me to do everything that I have done. And that everything that I have done has led me to the place so I could achieve my goal. Let me ask you today, what dream do you have? What are you dreaming with God? See, now dreaming is a sign of a spirit-led life. Because in the book of Acts, in Acts 2.17, uh, Peter says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall have visions. And I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Gary, always t says that the reason why the old men have dreams is, and the young men have visions is because old men take more naps. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. But it's part of, part of our makeup. I'm not talking about just every dream because, you know, all, most of us have dreams. Most of us uh, will wake up in the, in the morning and think, wow, I had this amazing dream. Or, or if you watch a scary movie. Or not. You, ever, you ever notice that you always dream about the things you watch right before you go to bed? 
Or you, so that's why I try to read the, the, uh, the Bible right before I go to bed because it, it helps me have good dreams. But dreams, most people have dreams, but I'm not just talking about the ordinary common dream or I'm not even talking about deja vu. I'm talking about a God-given dream, a desire to do something God-honoring with your life. Something that will inspire you, something that, will, that you believe has come from the Lord. What is your God-given dream? I want you to, if you do, if you have a piece of paper or a pen, and I would like you to take a moment right now, and, and I would like you to write down what dream has God given you? Is it to be a praise singer, pastor, missionary? Do you want to help in the community? What is it that God has put in your heart? It could be something great. It could be something in your eyes that's small. But no dream that God gives is insignificant. What is God speaking to you about in your life? What is God wanting you to achieve? What is God wanting you to accomplish? As you're writing those down, I want you to, to know and understand that I believe God has called all of us, each and every one of us, to be dreamers. I don't believe that God has ever had a child of his that has come into the kingdom of heaven to sit on the sidelines. All of us have something that, that God wants us to do. God calls us to fulfill his will. The, the great commission, go into all the world to preach the gospel and to make disciples, that wasn't just for those that heard it 2,000 years ago. It's for every born-again believer that passionately follows Jesus Christ, that each and every one of us have, have a role to play and, and, a, and, and a gift to, to use and, and, and words of encouragement to bless others with. God has called us and equipped us to do something for him and that something is what is found in your heart what is God calling you to do you say well it may be something small it may be something small to you but something amazing in the kingdom of God because if you remember Naaman the leper Great man, mighty man, and his wife had a servant, a servant from Israel that spoke to Naaman's wife and said, I know of a prophet that can heal him. No other place in scripture is she recorded, nothing else that she did, but spoke the word of encouragement that says, I know how he can be healed. You don't know what God is calling you to do. You, you, you and I are not the ones that can measure how significant or insignificant what God is speaking to us is. You, what God is asking you to do, which it may be just encouraging the person next to you. It may be blessing your neighbor. You could bless them. You could do what God is asking you to do. And God could take their life and turn this world right side up for him. It's not in our divine wisdom to understand. It's just fulfilling what God has put in our heart. What is God calling you to dream, to write a book, 
to serve the community, to be a missionary, whatever it is. God has given that to you and he has equipped you with it. He has called you to be a dreamer. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said that boredom is the root of all evil. Sometimes I have seen some Christians and I wondered if their guardian angels were really bored. Just kind of like, oh, I'm not really doing anything. And uh, sometimes I've wondered if my guardian angel was really bored. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. I think boredom among Christians is probably one of the one things that keep us from fulfilling what God really wants us to do. Boredom. Remember the story of David? David and Bathsheba? When David, in, in 2 Samuel 11... 2 Samuel 11, 1 is a powerful verse. Seems somewhat insignificant, but it's so powerful. And it says this, At a times when kings go forth to battle, David tarried. At a time when kings are going to do their kingly responsibility, their passion of their heart, to go out and conquer and defeat the enemy. At a time in the season when, when, when it was time for war, when David should have been out leading the troops, fulfilling his destiny, David tarried. He sent someone else to do his job. I think David was bored. See, and that boredom led him down the wrong path. If David would have, would, would have kept that passion in his life when, when that lion came out to, to destroy his, his, his father's sheep and he killed the lion or the bear that came out and, and David killed the bear and, David, and God had given him that lion and that bear for that day when he stood before Goliath and he was saying, if God could deliver a lion and a bear in my hands, he can certainly deliver this uncircumcised Philistine. But David was able to conquer Goliath because he was living this passion that was in his heart. And yet we find in 2 Samuel 11, 1 that for some reason, Scripture does not say why, but for some reason when he was supposed to be living his passion, he tarried. He was bored. You ever, you ever been stuck around the house? One day is really good. I like being at the house one day. Okay, I lied. Half a day. I like being around the house for a while. And you know, you have all these plans. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit around and watch all the old movies I've never seen. Or, or I'm going to watch the movies I've seen a thousand times. I'm just going to do nothing. And what happens is after about two or three, four hours, you get really bored. And you begin looking for things to do. David should have been out, but he wasn't. He was, he was there in his, in his comfort. Then he was bored, so he went up to the top of the roof and looked down and saw Bathsheba and conspired to commit adultery and murder because when he should have been out, 
he was staying at home. I still believe that one of the greatest, one of the greatest detriments to your life and my life or any Christian's life is not fulfilling, not living our God-given passion. So when you're living your God-given passion, you don't have time for the rooftop experiences. Can I ask you a question? Do you have a rooftop in your life? Is there something that's attracting your eye that's keeping you from fulfilling what God has put in your heart? Wow. Maybe chasing that new job? I know, I'm meddling now. I probably shouldn't do that. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> in the passage of Scripture that, that we read, Scripture tells us in Luke 18, he says, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that a great question? What should I do to inherit eternal life? I don't know of anybody that has ever not asked that question. I mean, if you look at our world today, whether they are Christians or another religion or no religion, everybody wants to retain their youth. It's a multi-billion dollar business. There's youth creams, there's serums, there's doctors that do nothing but tighten your skin. There's all different types of things, and I'm not saying they're wrong, but the reason why we have them is because everybody wants to keep their youth. No one really wants to get to the place where they no longer exist in this world. We want to live forever. That's why they search for the fountain of youth. That's why people have asked throughout the history, what should I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question because... It's something that's in us that makes us, demands of us that we ask that question. We were created to live forever, but our carnal nature is now doomed and sentenced to die. So we have this war within us that we have an eternal part of us that even though our body starts getting older, the, the soul of man is within us that wants to live forever. And that's where the question is birthed from. Where can I go and what should I do to inherit eternal life? I don't know about you, but I want to live forever. That's a long time. I mean, man, look at all the stories we're going to get to catch up on. Man, you're thinking, boy, I don't want to live next to him. Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Those are all great things, aren't they? Look what the rich uh, ruler said. The man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. He's obeyed everything since he was just a young lad. I, I'm really glad he came to Jesus because Jesus is the one that has the answer to eternal life. 
If you're looking for an answer to, for eternal life any other place, you're not going to find it. Because Jesus said, not only do I grant eternal life, I am life. See, eternal life is not something that, that you get. It's something that you have relationship with because Christ is life. You can't have eternal life outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I really want to know him. Because when I transition, I don't want to stand before a stranger. I want to stand before my best friend. So if you're searching for eternal life, you're going to find it in Jesus. In that personal one-on-one relationship with him. Jesus asked this man, he said, just do all of these things. And he said, "All I, I've kept them all. Notice, notice what he, his answer. I want you to really look at his answer. His answer is, here's all the things I haven't done. I've checked them off. Notice there's not one, in, one thing in there that says, Jesus, this is what I've done for God. This is what I've done for myself. I've avoided these things so I can have eternal life. There's not one thing in there that, where this rich ruler says, these are the things that I've wanted to accomplish for my God. It was about preservation. It wasn't about serving God. It was about keeping eternal life and not living life in abundance. And it's amazing to me that he looked at it and, and said that it's, I've done all of these things, and then Jesus looks at him, and this is a great response. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. Why do you think he said that? Do you think, do you think the Lord is against, is against people having money? I don't think so. I would like for him to have, give me a little bit more. I think that'd be great. And and I'm praying for me, and I'll pray for you too. The Lord gives you more. That'd be great. But but that's that's not what he is after. Jesus is not saying, hey, your money is going, you know, you can't have money and serve me. But he was saying this, that your money is your rooftop, that your money is what's keeping you from living your God given passion. He said, if you want to. To really know and live in the abundance of a relationship with your God. Then then get rid of the things in your life that hold you back. That keep you in a comfort zone. And then follow me. Wow. What's, What's keeping you? What's keeping you from passionately following the Lord? I believe this this rich ruler was lacking spiritual adventure he didn't have any spiritual adventure it was just a a a, a checklist of things that he wasn't going to do that day but there was nothing in there that said hey i'm going to go out and and do something great i'm going to go out and bless somebody i'm going to go out and encourage somebody i'm going to go out and lift somebody up i'm going to go out and share the good news of my god with somebody that doesn't know him he didn't have a level of spiritual satisfaction in his life because he was looking at his religion as a thing of, of a bunch of things that you just need to check off that you don't do and he wasn't looking at it as a relationship with his God about living his life to the fullest and fulfilling his desire and destiny in his heart 
Wow. I think many Christians that I have known, not here, not here. You guys are amazing. Woo. If every church in America would be like you, the Lord would have to come back. But I've known some that I think they were spiritually bored. They go to Bible studies and they learn about the Lord and they go to church and they learn about the Lord and they, and they teach a Sunday school and they teach others about the Lord and they do all of these things and they don't do anything against God but they really don't do anything for God. Okay, are you with me? I have found that serving God easy is hard. When I have tried to live for God by adjusting my life to not make mistakes and not to commit sins, it is hard for me to do that. The times that I, that I feel free and that I, that I don't worry about those things is when I begin to live the adventure with God, that, that, that I begin to hear His voice, that I'm walking in what He's wanting me to do, that I'm living out the passion in my heart. And when I'm living that passion, when I'm fulfilling what God has placed in my heart, something amazing begins to happen. I'm no longer uh, tempted by the things that, that I struggle with when I'm just trying to be a good person, but but now I'm living passionately for Christ and it consumes my life and all of those things that I struggle with are beneath my feet. Because when you're living your God-given passion, something amazing happens. It's not enough to do nothing against God. We need to do things for God. It's that spirit of adventure that sparks our lives. See, in the rich young ruler, he chose the, the comforts of his wealth over the adventures with Christ. The scripture says he went away sorrowful because he was very rich. It should have said, in his own eyes. Jesus was inviting him, was, was, was encouraging him to say, Hey, if, if you really want to have true riches... Don't look at the temporal, look at the eternal. If you really want to have an adventure, get rid of those things, bless the poor with them, and then come follow me, because when you're with me, amazing things are going to happen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this rich ruler would have sold everything he had, gave it to the poor, and he would have been there with Jesus when he healed the lame, when the blind eyes were open? Can you imagine being there when Jesus is standing in front of the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth, and out walks Lazarus? Can you imagine seeing these amazing things that Christ has done? Can you imagine being part of those that watch Christ crucified and then you are able to, after three days, see him again walking with a spirit life? Wow, wow, this man could have had it all. But he left it for the comforts of this world. What is your God-given dream? See, here's, here's, I think this is the real, real reason why, why some people don't follow their God-given dreams. It's because chasing dreams require an act of faith. It requires something on our part that we have to step out and do. The walls of Jericho didn't fall until they 
stepped out in faith and walked around them. The Red Sea didn't part until Moses stuck forth the rod. See, God always says, you do this and then I'll do that. And there's always that, that step of faith. I wonder if Moses thought, well, what if I stick this rod out here and nothing happens? He would have looked really dumb. I wonder if he wrestled with that. I would have wrestled with that. You know, I, I, I went to a father-daughter dance with my granddaughters the other night. If you've ever seen me dance, you know I can't. And there's just part of me that they're out there and they're, you know, they're out there just wanting to, to dance around and have fun. And, and I'm thinking, I can't dance. I'm going to look stupid. And then there was something in me that said, you know, I just want to have fun with these little girls. And I don't care what everybody else thinks. And you say, well, did you go out there and dance well? No, I danced like an idiot. I, was, I, I looked bad. I apologize for saying that word. I looked foolish. Had the time of my life. I don't care what I look like. I was enjoying being with those little girls. And the act of faith, of, of stepping out and fulfilling that dream that God has called you to do, sometimes you have, you have to get beyond yourself and say, I, I can rise above this. I can, I can go beyond this. I, I, I can step out and, and take the chance of looking foolish. There's an act of faith. After all, we're following a God that none of us have ever seen. We trust in a book that was written over 2,000 years ago. Chasing your dreams requires an act of faith. Sooner or later, there comes that point when you can't just think about walking on water. You have to step out of the boat and start walking. And here's the amazing thing. When we go through these things in our life, sometimes we think, well, why are we going through these events in our life? We start chasing this, the dream that God-given passion in our life, and, and then, then all of a sudden we, we go through these circumstances. And do you realize that the circumstances in our lives are actually developing us to fulfill the dream that God has put in us? Joseph had a dream from God that his father and his brothers would serve him, only to find out that as his brothers and his father, his brothers were jealous, they threw him in, in a pit. They just were going to kill him, decided to sell him into slavery. They sold him into slavery. He ends up being lied about, is thrown into prison, and he goes through this great ordeal, one after the other after the other. And I'm sure that there were points in there where his, where his faith was tested and he was tempted and he was wondering, God, what's going on? But all that he went through prepared him to fulfill the dream that God had gave him. He wasn't ready to fulfill the dream when God gave it to him. It was the circumstances that he walked through that equipped him to say, Now, from all the years and all the experience that I've had, now I can fulfill the dream because God has prepared me. Wow. What are you going through today? Is God preparing you to fulfill the dream that he has given you? See, the journey you are on right now is designed to equip you to fulfill 
what God has placed in your heart. I'm going to ask our praise team to, to come back. And as, as they do, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. Lord Acton, he was a historian and philosopher, great thinker. His work was called The History of Liberty. People looked at him with admiration as a great mind. And yet his book, A History of Liberty, was never fulfilled, was never finished because he was a perfectionist. It's often said that his book is the greatest book never written because he chose not to act on it. He wanted to wait for the perfect day. Can I tell you a secret? The perfect day to start living out your adventure is never going to happen. The perfect day is right now. It's the day that you decide, wow, the creator of the heavens and the earth has entrusted me to bless that person, to speak life into that person, to, to comfort that person, to write that book, to do whatever it is that he has placed in your heart. The creator of the heavens and the earth has, has called you to do that, and he has equipped you to do it. And the only thing you have to do is say, yes, Lord, step out on faith and go. That's it. God calling you to do. Today is the day. Today is the day that that dream can become a reality.